Hello everyone and welcome to Seminary for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Sabrina Reyes-Peters. Today I am introducing to you episode 9 in which I get to sit down with Dr. Kate Hanch and talk for a little bit. Kate recently defended her PhD in theology and ethics at Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary. Her dissertation was entitled Prophetic Humility, a Feminist Theological Account. She has published essays in Perspectives, a Religious Studies, Review and Expositor, and Liturgy Journals. Most recently, Kate contributed an essay to a volume called Sources of Light, Resources for Baptist Churches Practicing Theology. She is ordained in the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship tradition and serves as an associate pastor in a United Methodist Church in Missouri. In my conversation with Kate, we get to talk a little bit about her work about humility and eroticism. And I can bet you those are two words you do not often see together. Maybe you haven't even heard them together until today. So, but it was refreshing to sit down with Kate and learn about how humility isn't just a state of mind um, and how humility has often been weaponized as a concept against marginalized people. And humility is something that affects your entire self and we ponder how growing into humility helps us stand for those who are marginalized. We also get to talk a little bit about a word that might be new to some of us, and that is the word withness. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here, Sabrina. Thank you yeah. for inviting me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, I'm super excited to talk to you. Uh, we are here to discuss some of your uh, PhD work um, on and around humility and eroticism. And you just finished uh, defending your dissertation a couple weeks ago, right? That's really exciting. <laughs> Men. Yeah. <laughs> um, I attended at Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary on Holy Thursday. So there's something about Jesus preparing for his death and me defending a dissertation on the same day that feels really, I don't know, feels weird. Yeah, kind of weird. Yeah, kind of. I think maybe there's some good weird in there. Probably a little bit of awkwardness as well. Um, (laughs) But so regarding this uh, work on humility and eroticism um, and withness, which we're going to get into a little bit here later, can you share maybe the bigger picture, like the context of this discussion, maybe like the academic context or maybe the historical and social context of um, 
the relationship between humility and eroticism? Yeah, so it is weird, and I, I am weird and awkward, um, but it is a weird connection. So I came in to my program wondering about humility, just with questions surrounding humility, because what I saw was um, people were talking about it without identifying it, and then a lot of white men were talking about it, and it almost seemed patronizing toward women and people of color. Mm. Um, and it seemed really icky. And so, uh, for lack of a better term, so I um, wanted to think about humility theologically and where is it in the theological loci or, you know, categories. And so, um, I mean, it's taken me a long time and I'm still working on this, obviously. But what I came up with is um, more of a broader understanding of humility that's not virtue ethics, that's not limited to theological anthropology or Christology, but um, more of a Trinitarian framework whereby we can live. So um, I'm, I'm suggesting that humility, uh, based on the life of Jesus, it's rooted in the life of Jesus and then exemplified through the women I study. So humility is the foolishness of God that the word becomes bodied so the bodies can become as God. So you have deification in there, um, which is that third piece. Um, you know, God, um, Irenaeus is saying that God became human so humans can become God. So that's what I, that's kind of the framework. And then um, I wanted to look at women in particular because women have often been humiliated. Uh, and there's a fine line between humility and humiliation. So I looked at uh, medieval women and 19th century black women preachers. Um, and so the deification piece connects with humility and eroticism. My, my suggestion is that humility is concretely bodied. And I use that term bodied instead of embodied because we are already always our bodies. So you can't think of mm -hmm. something becoming embodied. Like you are like your brain is a body is <laughs> part of your yeah. body. <laughs> I mean, that that's just kind of my way of, of emphasizing that piece. Um, so the materiality is important. And so when we think about our bodies and how we love God and love others with our bodies, it's not just, you know, your heart and your mind. It's also with your physical bodies and this notion of desire. Um, and so humility is connected with bodies. And if you look at the Latin root um, of like H-U-M-U-S, I'm, I'm, I'm horrible at pronunciation, but humus, <laughs> humility, and dirt all have like these same, same roots. So you, there's some ecological pieces that you could get into. Um, but with humility and eroticism, um, so the bodiedness and the desire for God leads us to desire others as well. Um, and so it's kind of this Augustinian slash Julian of Norwich thing where uh, the closer we get to God, the closer we get to others. And the more we love God, the more we love others. And so um, I'm seeing eros in that and okay. um, this this 
bodily desire, that it's not just my spiritual life desiring God, but it's this bodily desire. And then it's a bodily desire for one another. Um, and so I identify the erotic coming from the black feminist, um, queer, queer theorists, Audre Lorde, who she, um, she expands the erotic to mean not just like lust or porn or whatever, although there, mm -hmm. it includes like lust, it includes lust and desire, but it's this holistic thing of like deep feelings and emotions and seeing, and I am trying to see that as part of the theological project. So, um, so the foolishness of God um, is the word becoming bodied so bodies can become God. That is kind of my framework of humility. Um, so it's following in the life of Jesus and it's kind of going against traditional forms of humility. And yet um, it's very Christocentric. Um, and that, so what does it mean to love God with our body and love others with our body? And then if we have to, you know, if we are commanded to love our neighbor as ourselves, there's also this erotic desire for our own self and our own pleasure. I yeah. feel like I was all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I guess maybe I want to think, I don't know um, if if your studies have gone to this point, but I guess maybe I want to think a little bit more concretely, if that's possible, about maybe how that looks like for the individual versus how that looks like uh, for a community that is um, practicing something like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, so okay. um, I, I looked at all, all these theories through the lens of, um, especially the deification port part and the eroticism, through the lens of Mechthild of Hackeburn, everybody's favorite medieval feeling <laughs> and Sojourner Truth. So um, I'll give you an example of Sojourner Truth. Aren't I a woman? And it is aren't. It's not ain't. And I could give you a whole spiel about that. Um, <laughs> but so, so there's this eroticism within her. She loves her body. She sings. The way she speaks is musical. She often uses, um, she often uses music and expressions in her um, sermons and her aren't I a woman speech um, she's like isn't my body worth you know like she's arguing for rights and she bears her arm she shows her arm says that I can do as much as a man and like there's these deep feelings within her um, and she's not just arguing for herself for the right to vote, but she's arguing for all black women for the right to vote. And mm -hmm. she's in, in being vulnerable and she's also exposing or bringing, um, exposing the powers as false. Um, and in being humble and showing her arm and, and exposing herself, um, bearing her arm and, um, being, in you know where she can be critiqued um she's arguing for herself and arguing for others so there is like an individual piece but it's always i'd like to think it's always in context with the community um 
with um, Mechtilde Hackaborn, um, for instance, she is writing these erotic visions, but she's not, well, we, she, somebody's probably transcribing them. So they're created in community and then they're written for her community. Um, and so it's more of this sharing um, these deep feelings to edify the community or sharing your thoughts on how you should vote and Sojourner's Truths instance for the benefit of community. Okay. And so the withness, which I kind of mentioned at the beginning of this, is that a term that you coined that came out of your studies? I feel like it was, but I could be wrong. Well, I thought I did, and then I did some research. <laughs> 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 you know how that goes. <laughs> no idea is ever new, is it? Um, what I've seen, so you, I've seen some kind of more popular renderings of withness. So it combines witness and being with. Right. Um, I've seen it in Alfred North Whitehead, who is a process theorist. A lot of process theologians will take his work. And it's something... I quoted it in the dis dissertation, but it's not coming to mind. But it's something to do with organisms. Um, how I interpret it theologically, um, at least with Sojourner Truth, is when she um, when sh she preaches, she's bearing witness, right? Yeah. And she's also being with her community, um, and um being with god so like they can't be separate being with somebody is always bearing witness to them and being witness to or um is always being with somebody so um jennifer nash is a black feminist theorist and she talks quite a bit about witnessing and vulnerability and those connections between the two and so I'm picking that up in a sense and theolo theologizing it with that notion of withness as exemplified in Sojourner Truth. Okay, gotcha. And so um, the next piece I want to touch on a little bit, and you touched on this a little bit already yourself, uh, but you mentioned you wanted to find uh a different way of talking about um, humility because it's been used like against women and uh, by proxy it's been used um, against other uh, marginalized communities. So I'm wondering how uh, marginalized communities, um, and I don't want to say use it, but maybe exemplify like th this idea of um, of uh, humility, uh, foolishness for God, uh, and uh, I struggle with the language here because it's like the oppressed uh, versus the the oppressor, and I don't want to I don't want to have like in my mind I don't want to have like the oppressed like doing a bunch of work that they shouldn't be doing for the oppressor already, but yeah. like how 
how can a more marginalized uh, community uh, maybe uh, display display this? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, to your credit, that's important work. And um, part of this part of this dissertation was to show how humility is contextualized. So, as a white cis het woman, um, I need to be listening and lifting up people of color, um, LGBTQ folk, um, and so forth, and kind of setting back. And I tried to do that um, with seeing Sojourner Truth and Zulfa Ela and Julia Fett as theologians and not only preachers, although they are wonderful preachers, but as theologians. And that was like an intentional move on my part. And I mean, we'll see, you know, I mean, I defended it, but I hope that was an attempt on my part. But in terms of marginalized communities, I'm thinking of like Black Lives Matter and protests. Mm -hmm. And they are being vulnerable in in exposing themselves to ridicule, um, in exposing themselves to harm, to concrete harm. Um, and simultaneously, like, they're not just protesting for themselves, right? But they're protesting for the community. Um, so if humility is the foolishness of God, well, that certainly looks foolish to the hegemonic powers. Um, yeah. Because, like, they're going to get in jail. Um, but at the same time, it's like they could not do anything else. Like, they were acting for themselves and for their community. So that's like one example of how, and they would not, I mean, I would not put the category of humility on them. I think they mm -hmm. would have to name it for themselves. But right. my hope is my concepts of humility as the foolishness of God becoming bodied so that bodies can become God I can see that played out through perhaps protest events like Black Lives Matter. Although I do want to clarify that um, Black Lives Matter is not a, necessarily a Christian movement, but um, there's some the you know theology implications that I can see. But um, that would be an example. Cool. And so. And so I also am not sure how best to frame this next uh, question that I am curious about. But like on the flip side, like what if there the those in power were to see this and uh, adapt it for themselves? Like, what do you think that would look like? Because this is like a really, like, because usually when, like, all my life, like, I heard about humility, like, as you said, like, more being, like, humiliated. And especially as a woman, like, you hear, oh, you have to be quiet and submissive and, like, humble. But you didn't really hear that in the context of, like, men. So... I, I'm I'm just curious, like what the I don't know if you've thought about this, but like yeah. what this would look like. Um, I do have an example that is um, it's coming. Her 
she's coming to my mind and I can't think of her name off the top of my head, but um, she is a white woman living in the civil rights era. And um, um, Martin Luther King actually lifts her up as somebody, as a white person who's doing good um, and working for social justice, justice in contrast to um, the, in contrast to the white moderate. Her name is Anne something and it's, it's in my head. I'll give it to you so you can put it in the show notes. Yeah, I can get it later. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I read a part of her story and it's really fascinating. Um, she and her husband um, worked for housing desegregation in Louisville. Um, and like they had bomb threats to their like person um, mm-hmm. because of this. And um, she worked for a newspaper. I, th- I think they worked for a newspaper, but they were threatened. Um, and so it would look like taking those prophetic stances against, you know, your your own community. I mean, she grew up in the South, grew up white Episcopalian, had a great education. Um, and yet here she is divesting that power or using, not divesting, using that power for good. Mm-hmm. Um, and curing, um, I'm sorry, um, risking, you know, being vulnerable in the process, but um, for the sake of others and perhaps for the sake of her own soul, too. Yeah. So that would be like one example in terms of like um, communities. I, I mean, churches have been talking about reparations within denominations, um, you know, who have harmed African-American peoples or enslaved African-American peoples. I mean, working on that would be one concept, but it would be listening to those who have been hurt the most. Mm -hmm. That's where you have to start, really, is listening. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome. So this is a lot to think about. It certainly um, flips like the notion of humility for me because uh growing up like humility never had to do with like the body at all it was all all about like maybe your character um your state of mind maybe uh i hear this quote i think is attributed to c.s lewis but i don't know if he actually uh said it but humility is not thinking less of yourself but thinking of yourself less often and even there you see that it doesn't really have much to do with the body it's like your your state of mind so like thinking about um humility in terms of being bodied as you said it is really some great stuff to think about um if people wanted to find um more information or more of your uh work on this um how might they be able to do that? Um, probably at um, Kate Hanch on Twitter. Okay. Um, I have, I just finished the dissertation, so I'm kind of on a hiatus from writing for a while, but 
Yes, understandably. <laughs> I thought that's the best way. Okay, cool. So I'll put that in uh, the show notes for everyone. Um, and a lot of great stuff to think about. So I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to come on and talk to me and uh, my listeners. Well, thank you, Sabrina. And I've, I've um, learned a lot from you too. So I'm glad we can be in community together. Thank you. That means a lot to me too. Thank you for listening to Seminary for the Rest of Us, a show where everyone is welcome to God Talk. Find us on the web at seminary.show, on Twitter at seminaryshow, and or send us an email at seminary.show at gmail.com. Oh, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to give us a rating. Thanks again and catch you next time.